This is a special edition of the Law Enforcement Today Show, a remote broadcast from Washington, D.C. We are broadcasting from 400 East Capitol Street on the top floor overlooking the U.S. Capitol Building for the annual Federation for American Immigration Reforms Hold Their Feet to the Fire Radio Row event. Lots of special guests for you. We have so many stories to share with you. You'll hear background noise, which makes this kind of interesting. You're a peep in the background, you know, traffic as well, and, and wind and things of that nature. But it's a pleasure and honor to be here. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Imagine if you were one of the first on social media or on social audio apps. Here's your chance to be one of the first on the free breakout app that combines the best of social audio and social media. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast. Use a profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. This is a very special edition of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. We are broadcasting from North Capitol Street in Washington, D.C. We are in the top floor outdoors. You're going to hear some background noise. You might hear horns, alarms, sirens, all that stuff. We're over in the Capitol, and this is a Federation for American Immigration Reform event, Radio Row event, and I'm one of 66 radio shows here and one of a handful that are syndicated. By the way, we got a 94th station recently. Joining us, we have Sheriff Daniels. He's Sheriff of Cochise County, Arizona, which by the way, Sheriff, I think that's a really cool name. It is. Arizona. It's the only county named after a tribal chief. Cochise, part of the Apache tribe. We had Geronimo in our county. Ironically, though, we have no tribal lands. Uh, I think it's two out of uh, 15 counties in Arizona that does not have tribal lands. You are a border county, though. You're a large county. We're the 38th largest landmass county in the country with over 6,200 square miles with 83 miles of international border, too. Put that into comparison. Let's just say like the state of Rhode Island. I think you can put Rhode Island and a few other states in our county. That's how big we are. And you have that much land mass to patrol and keep the peace. For, and that's our used phrase, to keep the peace. How many deputies do you have on the road? We have over 90 sworn deputies patrolling that big old county. 90 to do that kind of land mass. And and let me tell you, with the impact that we're addressing on the border right now, it's taking every one of us, to include myself, to do it. How? How in God's name can you do that job without the border crisis? Never mind the influx of all these people and and what they bring with them. It's always been a challenge. Like I said, I've worked in the county for 38 years, last 10 years as sheriff, and we've always had the challenge of staffing. And now you put the impact of the border on there, and boy, let me just tell you, we're, we're feeling it. Before we get into the border and how it impacts your community, one of the things that I'm acutely aware of, and I'm retired law enforcement, and it's always been difficult to recruit good candidates and keep good candidates. And by the way, nowadays, the really best, and I use the term police, so that includes sheriff as well, 
and deputies. They're very best. When they get like 10 years on the job, they, they're hanging it up. They're saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, so keeping the really best skilled people is tough. And then recruiting new people to replace them, is, it's a handful for areas that are not on the border. How are you dealing with that? It's, it's been a challenge for us, too. The difference is we've been very innovative to, we have our own police academy in the county. Uh, our employees, the men and women that work for us, we treat them with extra special. We do. We we fight for the raises. We fight for them. And we let them, I'll be honest with you, enforce the rule of law. They were trained to be cops. We let them be cops. We empower them to the lowest level, and it's been very productive for us. Right now, pretty much we're fully staffed. That's amazing. It, it's truly amazing for a rural county compared. I just did a story last week on this, and, and I shocked some people. But... I'll say this, we're, no doubt, for the last couple of years, we've been fighting scrutiny in law enforcement, our profession, no doubt about it. We also need to recognize the cultures that we set within our local police department, sheriff's offices, and that should be based on the employees. And I look at, and I made this comment, those agencies that are failing, they can't hire, they can't recruit, they can't retain, we're always going to have some, we're always going to have people leaving, we're always going to have trouble hiring, there's no doubt, especially in rural counties, but the reality is, you got to look at the sheriffs and the police chiefs too, are they there for their men and women, if they're not, I guarantee you, go, go look in Portland right now, they have many, many openings, and look at the comments online about, they'd rather work as a garbage man than be a cop in Portland, that look goes back to a fractured culture, so we've worked really, really hard, knowing that the challenges are great right now, we've been greater than the challenges, and I think that's where our success comes from, do we have challenges ahead of us, you bet we do. I got to tell you, 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 you need a little applause to have fully staffed is, is a major accomplishment nowadays. Like I said, I'm retired from the Baltimore Police Department. Stories, and you won't get accurate numbers from the city government, but stories are they're about 800 officers short. Uh, most accepted numbers are 500. And they have so much forced overtime that the burnout rate is just incredible. Uh, and there's, there's a, a realistic concern for the mental health and wellness of these people that do this job because you know this you're going to encounter every bad thing that comes down the pike if you are a road patrol deputy you are a beat cop and when I say the term cop that's a compliment yes uh, I don't believe it's an insult but the funny thing is Sheriff if someone from outside of police work says it I get a little a little bit you yeah. know what no I uh, respect it I do so if someone tells me I'm a street cop I'm like yeah I'm proud of that um, but you can be first on scene for everything every tragedy every drowning every premature death every unexplained death fires acts of violence you name it how badly affected are your people going through this now there's no doubt about it they they're working extra hard no doubt about it but here's something we just did and this is i think historical for arizona we've never done this before and i think it throughout the nation as president of the Arizona Sheriff's Association, along with uh, a group of sheriffs, we lobbied the governor of Arizona, we lobbied the state lawmakers and said, help us with recruitment and help with re retention. The state, we were successful, the state gave us $10,000 for every deputy in the state of Arizona and every detention officer in the state of Arizona as a stipend to keep working with us. We also, they also gave us $5,000 for every new hire or deputy and every detention officer for next year, 12 months. It was a $53 million budget package by the state of Arizona to take care of the 15 sheriffs in Arizona. I, I'm very, again, that goes back to that innovative edge. We could have sat back and said, no, we're not going to do anything. We'll just fight through it. No, we care that much about our people. We spent a lot of time. We had nine sponsors on that bill, unheard of, and we, we passed it through without a problem. 
I think it's, again, applause are deserved because it's so easy to, if you don't like it, hit the door type mentality. And and I'm not saying this is a negative, Sheriff. We had the philosophy of, and we use the term police in Baltimore. That's how they pronounce it. Suck it up, buttercup. You're the police. You have a job to do. You can lick your wounds later on. And we didn't have the resources that we have today. Right. Uh, So a lot of us, myself included, are walking wounded, not just physically. Uh, You know that very well. Uh, But I want to add into that the influx that the border problem has created. You already said you got 90 people to handle this huge county that the state of Rhode Island and others can fit in. Uh, how badly stretched are your resources because of this? Well, they are. They're, and let me give you the impact when it comes to the amount of traffic we're seeing. And that's what's hurting us. We've arrested since January 853 border-related criminals since January to current times. We've identified 324 victims of crime since March through August. We've had 595 um smuggling events that were investigated just during my special operations and then you look at the cost every three months it's costing my my taxpayers just for jail related cost nine hundred thousand to a million dollars every three months we'll take a short break on that note we're talking with sheriff daniels a sheriff of cochise county arizona this is law enforcement today's show we're gonna take a short break we will be right back Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. The Breakout app is an audio networking platform and social networking app all in one. Breakout lets users listen in on live conversations or be a part of the conversation. Get it free with versions for iPhone and Android devices. You can download the app for free at the App Store and Google Play. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley, the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast. Use the profile at LET Radio Show, or you can download the app for free at letbreak.com. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore, because now you can listen to it on Podopolo. The free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. Law Enforcement Today Show, a very special edition of it. We are broadcasting Federation of American Immigration Reform's Feet to the Fire Radio Row event. We are broadcasting from North Capitol Street in Washington, D.C., upstairs on the balcony overlooking the Capitol building. So you're going to hear ambient noises uh, out the pristine radio studio environment. Our guest today is Sheriff Daniels, Sheriff of Cochise County, Arizona. Before we went to break, we started talking about the border crisis. And as an overused term, you are a, a little bit younger than me. The, the southern border has been an issue my entire life. I, for one, before we get into how this is impacting you, your agency, your community, I'm so tired of politicians telling me that the border is secure or they are just flat out lying. Are you going to do something to solve the problem or not? If you're not, then let's dedicate the resources to it that needs to be done. I don't have the solutions. I really don't. 
how badly are you all being impacted? You talked about how much your jail budget is, how many arrests, 853 since January is what you said. And those are just specific border-related crimes. And that's with 90 deputies. And that does include the 814 calls for service that come through border-related crimes. Again, or uh, have a nexus to the border. Again, it's 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 huge. Yeah, And I agree with you. It's I took an oath of office, Jay, and that is to force the rule of law and protect the quality of life and, and freedoms and liberties within my community. Whether you're a governor or a sheriff, a mayor or a president of the United States, we share the same oath of office. Right. And that's where the frustration and the insults come. When this administration, Congress says the borders have effectively secured. I don't know what Webster Dictionary they're reading that from, but I'm telling you right now, it's not. That's a false narrative. Or... When people say there's no humanitarian crisis or it was inhumane under the previous administration, I don't play politics well. I mean, I've been a cop so long, I, I, I enforce that rule. I don't care what political affiliation you're with. But when I hear that and the political divide in our country, all it does is hinder our ability to keep our community safe. And that's what's going on on our border. Well-known fact, and it's not reported a lot in the media, and I'm not an expert like you. But the border is controlled by the cartels. That's the correct. cartels control all the human trafficking that come across, all the narcotics trafficking, all the weapons, all the violence. And people say this. I used to say this years ago. Uh, well, it's only a nickel bag of reefer. It's only this. It's only that. Yeah, but you don't understand. That some of your money you spend on this is going to put weapons in the hands of people in Mexico. They're killing lots of people. So let's look at fentanyl, for example. I saw a report recently that 300 people a day on average are dying from fentanyl overdoses, accidental overdoses. Uh, COVID is 400 a day. So I was told yesterday or recently that the pandemic is over. However, no one seems to be talking about fentanyl and where it's coming from and who is creating this never-ending supply. Well, let, let me just give you a little history on fentanyl that we know about and drugs. 95% of all the illicit drugs come through our southern border. Second to that is, you look at fentanyl, the cursors are coming out of China, sent to the cartels in Mexico, that they make it down there and they ship it across our border in, in thousands of pounds. So we're seeing it. Last year in 2021, Arizona led the nation in, in fentanyl dosages pills uh, with over 5 million seized in southern Arizona. The only closest state to us with California with over a million. So you look at that. It's not something we're proud of, but it's real. We're leading it again in 2022 with the fentanyl. And that's the small percentage that we're grabbing, that we're seizing. Right. You're right. It's the number one killer of those over 18 years old. I think it's up to 40 years old. Um, but nobody, again, once again, is talking about that. That's an, When I talk about border, I talk about public safety, community, national security. We all share that. And last but not least is humanitarian. When you look at the... The amount of people, five million encounters in the last 19 months, one million gotaways within that, and then a thousand migrants dying on U.S. soil trying to come in our country illegally. At what point do we say, enough is enough, it's not working? Let's change the policy, let's change the messaging from Washington, D.C., and let's get back to work. Because right now, I call it intellectual avoidance with intended consequences, and that's what we're addressing on this border. And I don't have any answers. When we did this last year, and I know this is going to get you aggravated. As I retired as a sergeant, so one of my jobs was to make sure that the men and women that worked for me did the job the best they could. They had what they needed. And, and make sure they're okay. And when they screwed up, they got talking to, or sometimes worse. Uh, last year, 
a big thing was the so-called whipping incident with the border patrol agents and they promised retaliation and it's been proven over and over and over again they did nothing wrong they used the equipment they were given they followed the trade and they were given by the federal government and they didn't whip anybody but they're still talking about punishing these people as a law enforcement officer i i i can't stomach that punish the guys that do something wrong i say guys that's men and women make them better uh not, it's not always about firing or locking them up but when you gotta do that you do that and no one likes that part but when they're attacked for no reason at all that really angers me. Does that anger you? Oh, it does. And that goes back to that cultural mindset, why people leave and, and join organizations. I'm a cop's cop, have been since day one. I'm a working sheriff. I'm not one that sits in an office and wears a suit. The bottom line is this. What I'm seeing going on in Border Patrol, that's why their morale so poor, because they don't have support. There's a reason sheriffs around the country have... Uh, come out with a vote of no confidence against Commissioner Mangus. He's the one that made that statement, by the way. Um, Secretary Mayorkas, who's failed to lead the 60,000 men and women and address these issues. Uh, And Vice President Harris. I don't know if you know that. Western State Sheriff. We came out with a vote of no confidence against the Vice President because sheriffs are independent voice. Ironically, this president, President Biden, is the first president going back in the history of national sheriffs that has not or has failed to meet with sheriffs. He won't meet with us. We just had a summit in my county last week. Invited him. Did not, and that was major county sheriffs, Western National and Southwest Border. Did not even respond. This is numerous attempts to have him meet with sheriffs since he's been president over the last 19 months. He won't even respond to us. So when you don't have engagement, you don't have recognition that, hey, we need as leaders to accept the problem, take responsibility, and you have no action, you have a crisis of frustration. That's what we're dealing with. You strike me as a very reasonable person. You articulate the facts. This is what goes on. And without political partisan hyperbole, which I, I really appreciate, because we are bombarded by that. Right. And I, I Sadly. believe Sadly. It's, it's like an attempt to shoehorn people into certain categories. So when you say you got to have in a leadership position, you've got to have information from the ground coming up. As a sheriff, you've got that. Right. You're going to have chain of command. You've got road deputies. I don't know your rank structure, but you have sergeants, lieutenants, captains, command staff. So you're aware how information comes up, and then it goes down. So my job as a sergeant was to be the buffer, right? Uh, and no offense to you. Those are the ones who run the most departments. 100% agree on that. Uh, two things. If he's not getting information from the ground up, where is he getting it from? Does he not care? Oh, I think he's getting the information. I, I think we'd be... Uh, remiss if we thought he didn't know anything about this. There's a hundred percent. If he cared, he'd be meeting with sheriffs. He'd be meeting with us and saying, "What do we need to talk about? What's going on?" If he cared, he'd be on the border addressing communities, mayors, sheriffs, citizens. That doesn't happen. Vice President Harris hasn't done that. Again, it goes back to the fact that there's intellectual avoidance here on purpose with intended consequence. They know what they're doing. They know what the the result is, and that is to let millions of people come in our country. At, at, at a cost to the American culture, to the American tradition, and also to our citizens. Because when you look at all the three objectives, national security, public safety, and humanitarian, there's, there's a crisis behind each one of those objectives. One of the things that our country, and I'm very proud of being American. Uh, Me too. My dad was a Navy veteran. Uh, my grandparents immigrated from Ireland. So I applied for dual citizenship from Ireland. Because it's something I want to be able to do for a lot of different reasons. And we were just denied. They were closed for about two years due to COVID because they didn't get the paperwork in time. 
When you look at that country, which is supposedly, and I'm air quoting, a socialist country, number one, they had 4.7 million people that lived there when I was there visiting, and they had 75 murders in a year. Baltimore has 660,000 people, had 300 plus murders that year. I, I, I can't understand the difference. But they have no qualms telling you, even though you are qualified to be a citizen, we didn't get paperwork in time, you're denied. Or if you come be a citizen, you better be able to take care of yourself and pay your own health insurance because we're not taking care of you. But our country's afraid to do that. We're tilted. Jay, let me just say, I think we're very tilted. I, I get humanitarian. I get sensitivity. I, I get respect. But as President Reagan said, a country without a border is not a country. We're really pushing that concept to reality. And and here's the other aspect I'll say to you. Whether it be the health pandemic we just went through, whether it be the border security issues, immigration, however you want to describe it, we've been secondary to the thoughts of this country. I really have. I mean, and there's no better example than what's been going on here lately where Governor Ducey, Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis have sent people to New York. And, and no offense, look at uh, Governor or Mayor Adams. Wore a badge like you and I. Yeah. And, and all the all, and they claim to be a sanctuary city. They've taken flights at night up there, but two, three Republican governors send them up there from the border, and it becomes a political issue. It's a political grandstanding. Sheriff Daniels, thank you so much for your service, and thanks for being guest on the show. Very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.